How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Welcome back to Better Living. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. Today, we are talking about a group called Touched by Suicide North Texas. In studio with me is their president, Lanelia Ramet. How are you today? I'm good. All right, so I heard about your organization from Jason Dyke over at Carson's Village. He had great things to say about you. This organization is doing important work, and this is a tough subject, but that's why I think it's doing important work. So tell me about Touched by Suicide. Who are you guys? What do you do? Touched by Suicide is a 501c3, and we were formed to provide three support groups where we could help families that had lost a loved one to suicide. We have one in Flower Mound, one in Denton, and one in Louisville. How long have you been with this organization? Um, I've been associated with it for probably seven years. Um, I've been the president the past six years of the organization, and I've facilitated a support group the past six years. Now, let's talk about your journey with this organization. When did you start with Touched by Suicide? I lost my son to suicide on June 12, 2010, and um, we got support for our family through therapy, and um, I was really searching for a group that could provide that I wanted to find an organization that really could relate to what I was going through, and I happened upon Touch by Suicide, so I contacted one of the facilitators, and I actually attended as, as a participant um, in no, probably the October of 2010, so it took me about four months to find it. How did you hear about it? Um, I actually went on the internet, and I went to AFSP.org and looked for support groups, and that popped up. All right, so you started going as, let's say, a member. Right. And was this something that you thought was a good idea? You said that you were seeking out counseling for the situation that you found yourself in, but a lot of people can be hesitant to even want to find help or certainly go into a group. How did you feel about that? I actually, the first time I went in the meeting and, and you go around and introduce yourselves and the format of the meeting is you say your name and then you talk about the you know, nature of your loss and you tell as much information as you want. And I remember thinking, I don't belong here. What am I doing here? This is so uncomfortable. And then to hear everyone else's stories, it, at first I thought, I, I, I don't know if I can do this. But as, as the time, you know, the, the meeting progressed, I realized I'm exactly where I need to be because these people have experienced exactly what I've, I experienced and they're a little further along in the journey than I am. And so it gave me just a little glimmer of hope that maybe I was going to survive this. So you started feeling that in the first session that you went to? Yes. I mean, probably the first 15 minutes, you know, really? an hour later, I, I felt first 15 minutes, I felt very uncomfortable. You know, it took probably an hour and let everybody tell their story. And I waited until the very last to be able to actually speak up because it just seemed awkward. And like I said, you, you, you're a member of a club you don't want to belong to. And it's hard to acknowledge that you're a part of that group initially. Was it the camaraderie that you experienced there that started to make you feel calm? Is that what you, was that what spoke to you? I think it was, you know, as, as I was speaking, I saw people nodding or they would interject and then tell me their own experience. So they made you feel like you were a part of the group, that they were welcoming and inviting, and especially the ones that were further along in the journey than I was. Mm -hmm. And I think it just made me feel like I belonged. And and what I found is people were saying things that I was thinking that might be uncomfortable for me to say to anybody else, but they weren't even batting an eye. They weren't 
you know, they, it wasn't awkward. They, they knew exactly what I was, was saying. And, um, when you, I have a lot of friends and family that provided support to me, but it's different when you have somebody that's actually experienced it, and then you feel more free to say what you're thinking. How long between the time that it happened and then when you first showed up at your first meeting? It was about four months. Um, Michael died in June, and I went to the first meeting in October. Were you searching for something that whole time? We actually had done uh, counseling. We had gone to, we'd done some individual therapy. Uh, we did uh, group therapy, and we had also found a, a grief support group for my daughter. It was a peer-to-peer, and we'd been going to that. So while she was meeting with her peers, we met with other uh, family members. But it wasn't specific to touch by suicide. If you had a suicide death in your family, it was any kind of death. And it was a great group for my daughter, uh, but it still wasn't the same because you know, the, the, the types of death were different. And, and um, so some lost children to cancer. Some had lost other relatives. So it helped, but it wasn't, let's say, specific enough. It wasn't for specific you. enough. Correct. It's almost like what you hear from talking to veterans where they will they'll talk to you about maybe their experience a little bit. But there is something that we will never understand if you weren't over there. And there's just kind of a line in the sand. And they want to be on one side when it comes to really dealing with hard things. So you found that to be similar in your case. I agree. I, I, I do think it was different. And and I found the instant I went to that meeting, even though I didn't want to be there initially, I did find that they really related to what I was going through. And I don't think anybody can unless they've experienced a, a death by suicide. You finish your first meeting. What is your thoughts now about touched by suicide? Do you immediately recognize that you need to keep coming back to this or were you still trying to figure out if this was for you? No, I kept coming back. Um, I did it for— Did you for, know immediately? I think so. I think I knew. And, and the irony of, of the first meeting, I walked in and I acted like I had it all together. Um, you know, I told my story and I um, was acting very cerebral. I had—I I felt really good. I'm doing great. I have no issues. And at the end of the meeting, the two facilitators came up to me and said, perhaps you need to think about taking a leave of absence from work. I have no idea what I conveyed, but they knew that I wasn't doing well. And um, a month later, I took a leave of absence from work. How long were you out of work? I took a month off. Yeah. Is it, I I don't want to jump ahead, but you've been doing this for so long now. Is it kind of almost funny to see these things in people when they first walk in the door where you could probably, I bet you could write down a list of ticks or things that they say. Is it important for people to run through that? Or can you, as a person that is doing what you're doing, help them maybe jump certain steps? I don't think you can. Our grief is our own. People can't jump steps. But I think that, you know, we're obviously not offering counseling services. But what we do is we give them, tell them about our own experiences. And I think in hearing their own experiences, you might say, I thought it was fine at four months. And so you let them know that that they probably aren't fine, but you don't tell them that they come to that their own conclusion. Um, sometimes, you know, people are still struggling after a year and they'll say their family members are tired of hearing about it. And I'll say, you know, the, the first year was really tough. The second year was a different kind of hard. And so when they hear that, they think, okay, then I'm okay. And they don't feel like they have to apologize for what they're going through. So I think by telling everyone in the group tells their own experiences Everyone, when you walk out, you get a tidbit from each one of those those individuals that are a little bit further ahead in the journey. Why is it important to not tell people how they're feeling? Like I said, you 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 just we just talked about how you know what's going on. You already right. know this story, right. but you specifically made mention that it, it's important not to really let that on or to tell them this is you're going through step A. Right. 
I think because the the it's different time frames, you know, maybe I did it a little bit quicker than somebody else. I don't want people to feel like, wow, she's this person's eight months out, I'm ten months and I'm doing way worse than them. There is no grief is is because your journey is your own. There's no way of predicting how long it's going to take you to take that journey. And you make ten take ten steps forward. Three steps back, five steps forward, two steps back, but you're making slow progression. Maybe somebody takes those steps a lot quicker. And so it kind of depends on the individual. Um, and I also think the relationship with the family member you lost and then the kind of support network you have, even if it's not a support group, but just your, your family support or your friends supporting you. You said initially that you didn't think that you would need something like this or that it wouldn't really help you. I think that that's actually probably really common. How important is it for people to to deal with this in these types of ways and not try to intellectualize it and to tell yourself that seeking any sort of help is a weakness or that it is unhelpful or a waste of time. How long did it take for you to realize that? And what would you say to people that are experiencing the same thing that are maybe on the fence? I, I think that what, I, what I'll say to anybody that's lost a, a family member to suicide is take advantage of everything that's offered. So if there's therapy that you can go to, if you can go to a support group, and some of those will stick and some won't, but I think it's really important to take advantage of anything that you can just because it, this journey is hard really hard. And you may get through it, but I think sometimes, um, you know, I've, I've talked to survivors that 20 years out and they never went to a support group and, and they hadn't dealt with it. Effect. I mean, they, they've learned to live their life, but I think still they're dealing with some of the, the long-term effects of losing a loved one and not really getting the kind of help that they needed. Do you see that a lot where people, you know, a suicide happened in their family maybe even decades ago and they've never really done anything about it. And then all of a sudden they start Showing up to meetings at Touched by Suicide. Do you see that? Not really. Um, it's been. It's more um, conversations. Like we have a, a some volunteers that I work with, and uh, it's called Local Outreach for Su- Su- Suicide Survivors. And some people come in and say, "I want to be a part of that." And as a part of that process, they're interviewed, and they'll say, "It's been 20 years ago." And they'll ask a mental health professional, "Say, have you gotten help?" And they they haven't gotten the help that they've needed. And then we don't want them to volunteer because we feel like they need to do the work themselves. Interesting. Before. You can't you can't do volu- you can't help others hoping it's going to provide therapy for you. You have had, already had to have already done your your work, and that's why I waited three years before my son died. I don't feel like I was equipped to facilitate a support group until I did kind of got through my first my grief journey. And I, three years is when I felt comfortable being able to talk to. Other, I mean, not that I didn't help other people, but I really felt like to benefit those people, I needed to have more, I guess, distance between the death and and. Now, when I started doing the, I wanted to talk about your journey as far as being a part of the group. So you start going to meetings, and it is regular the whole time, or were you intermittent? Pretty much regular. I I did it. You know, if I traveled, I couldn't do that. But I, tra- you know, I went to every meeting that that I was. I had an opportunity to attend. Now, at what point did you start feeling that this was necessary for you, or did you feel it was necessary? Was this just a habit? No, How I did that it- develop? I think after the first meeting, I think the second meeting, it felt right. Um, and then I think and then it just felt right after that. I, I felt like it was, you know, and, and what was interesting is sometimes you didn't, like, I think, do I really need the meeting tonight? And then I'd go and go, wow, I really needed the meeting tonight. And so sometimes it was, you didn't realize, but when people started talking, you'd realize, yeah, this was the right thing for me to be here. Explain that feeling to me. When you say that, did I need a meeting today? And then you get one. And I, I of course, right. we're on the radio, but I could see a, a visible sense of relief on your face. You you had something there emotionally. What was that feeling that you get or still get 
when you're done with the meeting and you didn't necessarily realize that you needed it or it was just a good meeting for you? Um, I would come in and then they would start talking about, you know, the anniversary of someone's loved one was coming up. And I think, yeah, Michael's is coming up in three months. I hadn't really thought about that. Like, even though you know it's coming, but you kind of push that to the side. So sometimes attending those meetings, you'd think, well, they're helping prepare me. Just listening to them, what they experienced, how they handled the anniversary of, of their loved one's death or the birthday, the first birthday after their their individual, their loved one died. So I think that that's when you didn't really know because you didn't know what to expect. So it was that kind of it, like, man, that's really good to know where I don't have to, I don't want to, I, I didn't, we, you get ambushed a lot after you lose a loved one. Um, a car will drive by. My son drove a Toyota Tacoma. And, you know, the first few months, every time I saw a Toyota Tacoma, it just brought me right back, you know. Um, and those ambushes are hard, but to prepare for events that are you know are going to happen, and they give you the tools to do that, and, and hearing what other people did was very helpful. Would you liken it to a release valve? Is there is there a, a sense of relief that you get? I think so. And, of course, now I facilitate. So, you know, when I have people come in, I, some meetings, you can tell that they'll come after me and go, that was a real, I'm, I'm really glad I came. I, you know, I was reluctant. And so I can tell that they're benefiting just like I did. And, um, and I do think that, that they, we, I always have like an article whenever we leave a meeting, I give them an article that's appropriate. So before the holidays, I gave them the 64, uh, 64 ideas of how to uh, a griever to deal with the holidays and so it gives you you know different activities and you can pick one or none or or 50 and it'll it helps them navigate that grief journey around the holidays because holidays and birthdays and anniversaries are really hard you said that it took you three years before you started running your own group i started facilitating i went to the touch by suicide probably a year and then after a year i felt like i was better prepared and that's kind of been my experience i'll see families go for an entire year and it, it's almost to get through that first year the year of first so the first birthday the the first anniversary of their death the first holidays all that um, and then after that it's kind of, they start being uh, coming more sparsely because they don't feel that need to do it as much what made you think that you were ready to lead these groups? Um, I just think I felt like I was better equipped to handle, and I think getting through the year of first was was easier. And then I did sporadically that the second year, um, probably went to two or three meetings the second year. And I will say, because the second year is different, but it's still, I won't say it's it's a different kind of heart, like I mentioned, that it, what you realize the second year is it's permanent. The first year, you're just trying to get through, you know, the first month, the second month, the third month, and then the big, big dates. And then the second year, you realize, wow, they're really gone. And then you start thinking about all the milestones that you're going to miss with your loved one, that you're never going to, you know, my son never graduated from college. He never got married. Um, I'm never going to be a grandma. He's never going to give me a child. And so all those secondary losses, I think that second year, it really hits you. Lenelia Ramet is the president of Touched by Suicide. You can find them online at touchedbysuicide.net. There's a big jump that happens when you want to, when you are a part of a group and then you want to be a part of that group. What made you want to start being a part of Touched by Suicide? What ultimately happened is I was, uh, I got involved and started volunteering with the walk. We have an annual walk um, and they, I think because I, and I'm highly organized, so I help them do, you know, help them plan the event. They came to me and said, would you mind joining the board? So I joined the board of Touched by Suicide and I really started having, I realized how much um, the group is, it's great to be able to sponsor these these um, support groups and provide families hope. And so I thought I, I need to be a part of that. And so I joined the board and then we had a facilitator in Flower Mound that actually uh, decided to step down. And so it kind of happened since they said, would you be willing to facilitate the group? And so that happened six years ago. Were you nervous? Were you excited? How did that go for you? Um, 
a little bit nervous because you you wonder like, am I equipped to really handle it? Can I really provide the support these families? You know, I've got my experience, but I decided I would try it, and um, I feel like I'm providing help to these families and assistance. And I, I've seen the fruit of, of those support groups watching these families get better. And so now I know it's the right, I'm doing the right thing and, and I am glad I'm able to do it. What feeling is that? You're saying that you're providing something for these people and you know you're giving that to them. What are you gaining from it? Um, I'm, I guess what I'm gaining is I'm hoping I'm preventing any subsequent suicides because families that lose a loved one to suicide, they're a higher likelihood for have a subsequent suicide in their family. And I really believe that those support groups, we believe that postvention is intervention. So I feel like I'm doing prevention, suicide prevention with this postvention. That was a term that I wasn't familiar with, and you mentioned it when we first started the interview before we cracked the mics. You said postvention. So that is a big thing for you and for this organization, that you are in a place where you're already dealing with something, but you want to make sure that things don't get worse, let's say, or you don't want the cycle right. to begin. You want to stop that cycle completely has that always been a philosophy with Touch by Suicide, or is it something that you you noticed? Actually, I, I think the postvention is prevention was coined by uh, Dr. Frank Campbell, who started a local outreach for survivors of suicide. It's a lo- the lost team, and he's the one that actually did his PhD on uh, pr- postvention, and he coined the phrase postvention is is prevention. Now, once again, we take another big leap from being a facilitator. Is that the facilitator? Term yes. Now you are president of this organization. Was it something that you knew that you wanted to do, that you wanted to stick with this and, and lead this organization? Did you know you wanted to do that? I don't, I don't think so. I didn't mind joining the board, but I, I think that when they um, started asking me, you know, I became joined the board as vice president, and then the president decided to step down, and they just naturally said, would you, you know, like to take it over? Um, and I, I think it was more by, yes, I'll, I'll do it, and, and I wound up taking it on, and, and I really enjoy it. And I love what we're able to do for these families. How long have you been president? Um, it'll be six years. Almost the same time I took over facilitating, I became president. It was almost the same timing. From when you first showed up to Touch by Suicide to now, was there any way that you would have thought that this had been the journey that you were going to end up being on? This journey, I mean, obviously, when you lose a loved one to suicide, that's a journey that I never thought I was going to have that I and and then if someone would have said when Michael died that you're going to eventually, you know, be president of a nonprofit and you're going to facilitate a support group, I would have said they were absolutely out of their mind. I mean, I, I didn't know how I, I remember he I was 48 when he died. And I remember thinking I could live 40 more years without him. I don't know if I can do this. I mean, how am I going to do this? And then to be where I am, where I can give people hope. Um, it, it's, it's been a journey, and um, but no, absolutely not. I would have never predicted myself to be in the position I'm in. Has this given you a strength that you didn't necessarily know that you had? When you talk about the organization and the things that you're doing, you're not really talking about yourself at all. You're really talking about mm-hmm. all these other people, and all this is for other people, but you aren't afraid to talk about what this did for you. To me, that is a great example of personal strength. So do you feel that that is what this organization has provided you? Have you found something in you that you didn't necessarily know was there? I think everyone has innate resilience, a resiliency. And I feel like I had probably that resiliency and a pretty strong emotional stability. But I don't know if I really thought I was equipped to do that. I mean, so 
I guess I found my voice. What what this organization has done is allowed me to find my voice. I didn't think this was going to be my voice. I thought I would have a passion about something, but it's given me a passion for something I never thought I would have a passion about. And you are passionate about it. Absolutely, I'm passionate about it. It you know I have a full time job, um, very high stressful job, and to do this, um, it could take everything out of me. But I think it empowers me uh, from the standpoint. Um, that it, it actually, you know, you have an emotional bank account. It feeds my emotional bank account knowing that I'm helping other families. So I think it, it's where I'm getting, I love my job, but this is very satisfying. Know that I'm, I'm making a difference. And and I think that that's, you want to make a difference. And not that I want to leave a mark, but I'm hoping there's an, a legacy there that these families are going to be able to have productive lives after they lose a loved one. It'll never be the same, but what I want them to know is that they can find hope and joy again. And I, we always say love and hope will survive. And I want those families to feel that. Lanelia Romet is the president of Touched by Suicide. Once again, their website, touchedbysuicide.net. Let's talk about the programs that you offer. We've really been talking about the main thing that you guys do, which is support groups. How do those work? If you were going to explain one to me, what would it look like? What we do is we come in and, and typically we're either in a in a circle, but we're uh, or we can see each other. We don't want people backs to people. And the format of the meeting is we go around and you introduce yourself and you tell about your loss. Um, if you're new to the meeting, we always say if you're uncomfortable, you don't even have to speak. Just listen. What I have found is even if somebody doesn't speak, if it's their first meeting, it's okay because they're learning from what the others say. But basically, you can say as much information as you want. Or you can, you know, just basically say, my name's Lenore Ramet, and I lost my son to suicide on June 12, 2010, and not say anything else. So we give people complete freedom to discuss what they want or what they feel comfortable. And what I've noticed is in the first meeting, they might pass, and then at the end, they may say a little bit, or they may say at the beginning, very little. And then as everyone starts talking, they'll start chiming in and saying, yeah, I feel that way. So we try to make it as comfortable as possible so that they don't you know, they don't feel this pressure to talk, but most people talk the first meeting. Do floodgates open as far as just speaking? Is it one of those things, is it a slow trickle of information that people generally give, or is it a little bit at first and all of a sudden something happens and they start going? Yeah. I will say that most people speak a little, and then every once in a while I'll get somebody that'll, you know, say the, you know, tell you the whole story. And, and so it depends on kind of the individual. Somebody that's shy may be less. Somebody that's a little more of an extrovert may be more forthcoming. But I'll say most people aren't, don't gush the first time. That It's a, a little too hard for them, I think. I noticed on your website that you guys also have a program called TBS for Teens. Is that new? We've been offering it for probably about three years. Our problem is, and, is teenagers are different. Um, to get them to consistently come to a meeting has been difficult. Um, and so some what we do now is we used to offer it, and we had somebody ready to do it. And we use a, a mental health professional for them just because teenagers are a little bit different. And um, now we say call the website. We'll arrange to have somebody there. So I have a couple of people that if we need have the need, they'll come in and actually facilitate the meeting. Is it the same format as it would be for the adults that it's for teens that a family member had committed suicide? Or a friend. Or, or a friend. Right. Yeah, it Are doesn't. You... And even, even touched by suicide, it doesn't have to be a loved one. It can be a friend. You know, I we've had people come and have lost just a friend. And I think sometimes they feel it, it's awkward. Because they'll they'll say you know they'll listen to me and I've lost a son and think well I, I can't relate I feel like like yeah. my sympathy the sympathy meter may be less and what I always say is if you lost someone to suicide I don't care if it's a friend a uncle a cousin it doesn't matter you've been touched by suicide and you need to be here if you feel the need I'm glad that you brought that up it's not something that I actually really thought about but that's I think an important 
thing to mention, and, and I think that's a great thing to get out there for this organization. It's not just immediate family. No, not at all. It's anybody that if you if you feel um, the need, I have an individual that came and lost a coworker, and very and the first meeting I think felt awkward, and I immediately said. We're not talking about degrees of grief here. You don't, you know, people lost kids that high up on the grief meter. All of us are grieving, and I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable when they come. I think that you're hearing more and more about suicide in the news just as a topic of conversation. It is becoming more normalized to talk about it. Do you see this as a good thing? Yes, I think we need it. There's such a, there's always been such a stigma attached to suicide, and so sometimes it's just the elephant in the room and nobody wants to talk about. And the fact that it gets attention, what I I wish happened more, you know, when there's a a, a person, a TV personality or, or somebody that that's um, out there, when for 15 minutes it'll be the topic for you know maybe three or four days, and then it kind of stops being a topic. I wish we could get have more conversation about suicide. And one of the things that I don't like the word committed suicide, I say died by suicide. Committed sounds like a crime, and died by suicide, I feel like it, it has a different connotation. And I think that that's part of the stigma is using that terminology. And I've noticed in the media it's being picked up more saying died by suicide really? versus committed suicide. It might be a stretch, but there's been a lot of celebrity suicides lately. Do you think that the media does a good job of covering those stories? I do think, like the the two, most too recent, I think they did do a good job and and you know talked about it. And you know, my deal is we need to talk about it. And there's a video on our website that we did a few years ago about just saying let's talk about it. And you know, it being suicide, I feel like the more we talk about it, maybe we we lose the stigma. And you know, I think that's one of the reasons you know we get surprised by deaths by suicide. No one saw it coming because some maybe it's even family members are afraid to tell other family members that they're suffering because they're not sure how the um, how people are going to react. So maybe they don't get the help that they should. So they they suffer silently and then they get to a point that they're beyond even asking for help. Just the idea that any conversation is a good conversation. Absolutely type thing. right. All right, you've been president of this organization for how long again? Um, it'll be six years in May. Are you comfortable with where the organization is? Do you want to do something new? What are the plans for you in the future? I, I think we would like to do more. We have a very small budget, so with our budget, we, we can't do a lot. But I think the goal is um, one thing that we've done is we've partnered with the local outreach for survivors of suicide, and we've become almost a symbiotic. We're an outreach for them. So um, when they have a family they've worked with, they get they refer us to Touch by Suicide. So I think that arrangement has made a big difference in the number of people that come and just people getting help. How do people find this organization? Really, we have a Facebook page, um, and then we have our website, and and then doing talk show, I mean, doing a radio show like this is important. We've done newspaper articles, and so just trying to get it out there. And then the Laws team has a brochure, and they provide that information to anybody that's been touched by suicide. Volunteer opportunities? Um, yes. when we, we have an annual walk um, in November, so if anybody would like to volunteer for the walk, um, we always are looking for volunteers. Now, if people want to attend meetings, if they want to get involved with Touch by Suicide, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, if they go to touchbysuicide.net, we have all three meetings. One is the first Monday of the month, which is mine in Flower Mound. There's one the first Thursday of the month in Denton at St. Mark's Church, and then one the second Thursday of the month at, um, at Vista, Ridge, Vista Ridge Methodist Church in Louisville. They're held at churches, but we they're not a Christian organization, so you can be a person of faith or not faith. We want everyone to be be one, able to come to the meeting. 
The organization is Touched by Suicide. Once again, you can find them online at touchedbysuicide.net. My guest has been their president, Lanelia Ramet. Please do me a big favor and come back. There's a lot of other things that I would love to talk to you about. It was great speaking with you. Thank you for inviting me. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 